I don't want no scrubs. Like <laughs> scrubs ain't gotta yeah. get you no love from me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So that was fun. Is that hanging out the passenger side of your best friend's ride is like SpaceX NASA's best friend right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, although you probably don't want to be hanging out the side of the rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Launching in five, four, three, two, one. Hola, amigos and amigas. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be gender inclusive here. Um, I studied Spanish for two years and that was enough to get me into college and enough for me to not remember anything and forget it all. So, uh, hey, TBV listeners, thanks for joining us today. Mm-hmm. I'm Taylor Perko and I'm here in Houston, Texas. And I'm Hannah Stevens. I'm up in Seattle, Washington. Uh, we are in our 12th full episode yes getting some great content ready for you guys i'm really excited for this episode and all of our upcoming episodes uh really good stuff yeah i like how we introduce ourselves at the beginning of all the episodes like just in case you haven't gotten it by now (laughs) oh maybe we have some new listeners so if so this is a specifically awesome episode yeah so if you're just joining us uh we are both aerospace engineers but this whole podcast is about you know making the engineering community more welcoming and like kind of sharing information more easily and more readily than i think it sometimes is when you're trying to like learn about a whole new program or a whole new industry or career even um sometimes it gets a little confusing on like what's what and like what are good decisions and what are bad decisions when it comes to navigating through uh engineering so so we're Mm -hmm. here with this podcast to kind of talk about it in an informal and fun way and also have some awesome interviews you know we have experts and peers talking about the things that they're directly doing because you know taylor and i are in aerospace engineering but we talk about the entire engineering industry so we have people from other areas to kind of cover the the different disciplines yeah exactly exactly i think along that line we've kind of taken a short break from our engineering exploration series and we're going into what i would call like a mini job career series Uh, and oh shit a pandemic happened series and Uh, how do we get back on track and feel secure with ourselves again get confident in our abilities yeah so last episode we talked about job searching this episode we're talking about career crossroads and we're interviewing another career coach next week about um was imposter syndrome right so yeah stay tuned click those episodes and do that but share with friends if you know anyone going through a hard time uh this i think that this is a great way to like build a community and just realize that you're not the only one that's, you know, being let go or being tossed aside. There's tons of other people in the industry that are right there with you and we can all support each other through this. So I think it's going to be a really uplifting couple of episodes. So if you need it or if you know someone that needs it, send it to them. Exactly. Well, I have, this is a, a big NASA news week. I don't know if you know, but first thing is today was my last first day as an intern. So, (laughs) one day I'll be a real employee. (laughs) (laughs) That's so exciting. Yeah. Did you like take a picture for your last day? Oh, God, with like a little chalkboard or something (laughs) in my sweatpants and my pajamas, like going to work from my bedroom. (laughs) 23, and it's my last first day. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I did not. But I did. <laughs> I started today in the environment and thermal operations group. So it's like life support systems operations. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting. What are the thermal operations? Like what are so, what are the kind of environment thermal operations you're working on? Yes. So it's basically anything that has to do with, you know, the they called it the shirt sleeve environment. Um, I don't know why they called it that. Maybe it's because, you know, you can wear a t-shirt instead of a spacesuit. Maybe that's why they <laughs> called it that. Um, but anyway, okay. so it, it's like, it's anything that has to do with keeping the astronauts alive. So like keeping the temperature at a reasonable amount, keeping the pressure at a, you know, a reasonable and livable range. Uh, it's also, you know, air purification. So recycling the carbon dioxide out of the air, doing oxygen. And uh, it's also water purification. So like, you know, taking the urine and then the dirty water and <laughs> purifying it so that they can drink that again, because that's delicious. But um, yeah. Ooh, with added minerals for taste. Mm, spicy. <laughs> yeah. So this is all for the space station, right? Or is this like future missions? So this is for space station, but they actually, they do it for space station and all future missions. So I talked with my mentor today about what like my technical project is and oh, lo and behold, it's more coding. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing Python comps for um the Orion displays. So like when they're launching Orion, which is the vehicle that will carry the astronauts to the moon. Okay. Um, so when they're launching that, some of the displays that I make will hopefully be used in mission control. That's awesome. That'll be cool. But yeah. And then in other NASA news, did you see that article that NASA discovered parallel universes? No. What? Yes. The multiverse is real? Yes. That's what I was going to say. Okay. So it was like, God, it was like 1 a.m., and Alex <laughs> called me. So Alex is someone who I taught in my engineering 101 class, but then who later worked at the wind tunnel, right? And he called me at like 1 a.m. He's like, have you seen the news? I was like, uh, no, what's happening? Like, I thought we were all dying, right? I was like, don't say that to me right now. It just gets worse. Um, but yeah, then he, we pulled up the news. We were like reading through these <laughs> articles. And yeah, so it's I mean, the title of the articles was NASA discovers parallel universe where time runs backwards. And um, of course, I was like, what? Bullshit. Yeah. I was like, bullshit. Yeah. Are you no. sure your mom didn't right? send Alex this article? <laughs> right. Also, yeah. <laughs> Quick side foray. Uh, last episode, I called staying with my family a nightmare and they both called me and flipped me off like in a joking way. And they were like, well, I'm so glad we're a nightmare to you. And I was like, okay. So I'm sorry, mom. And you're listening. I love you. Um, but yeah, sorry. Continuing. That is exactly what I thought. I was like, this is an article that my mom would send me, right? Like some like hokey pokey clickbait stuff. Yeah, exactly. But it actually, it does come from a actual study that they did. And I would say that it's, it's definitely, you know, sensationalized science. Um, they took, you know, one possible answer that like, you know, explains the results of this thing that they were doing and is it the kind of thing where like a journalist gets science explained to them once and then they're like oh my god i understand everything and then they write an article that's like completely not true and you have to roll your eyes about it's kind of like i mean it's similar to that in the way where it's like they took like the smallest like you know maybe it's this of like so <laughs> I'll, I'll explain a little bit what it was but so it was nasa scientists um I think it was the North Pole, they observed uh, with ANITA, I don't remember what that stands for, but that's like their observatory or whatever, but they observed tau neutrinos coming out of the Earth. And 
I know you loved quantum mechanics so much, but um, <laughs> tau neutrinos cannot pass through the Earth. So the explanation that they had for it was, they must be from a parallel universe where time runs backwards. Because, you know, they'd be going <laughs> backwards. So it could be that, but we literally don't know enough. Reason. Okay. Yeah. We literally don't know enough about quantum mechanics. <laughs> exactly. But it did. It gave me hope because I was like, oh, the multiverse. Yeah. So we're going to find out that the multiverse is real or exactly. quantum mechanics is like way more complicated than we ever thought. And it was already way too complicated yeah. for me to understand. <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> I'm scared for future college students because they're going to have to understand this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think the more likely answer is that quantum mechanics is too complicated. <laughs> I know. You know what? I think it's just because we don't understand it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it gave me hope, you know, it's like the multiverse is real. And, you know, as you know, I have like a real thing for the multiverse. So I was excited. <laughs> of course. Of yeah. course. <laughs> well, that's not the like the biggest NASA yes, news. There's and that's not huge launch even happening. the biggest news. So, <laughs> yes, the SpaceX Demo 2 launch is happening tomorrow at 3.33 Central Standard Time. I'm very excited. I'm really glad that I'm back to work this week um, because I already like, you know, got all these invites on my teams and stuff to do like flight following so I can log in and like listen to the flight loops as they're talking. So like, you know, listen to them doing the final checks and talking to the crew and like getting ready for launch and stuff. So I'm, I'm so excited. And then oh. so it launches at 3.33 tomorrow and then that's Wednesday. Um, and then the docking will be happening at 10 a.m. on Thursday. Okay. So, yeah, tune in to NASA TV. Okay, explain to the listeners what this launch is and why oh, it's yeah. such a monumentous occasion. This is a huge milestone for the agency. Uh, basically, it's the first step in returning crew launch capabilities to U.S. soil. So Demo 2, it's a SpaceX manned mission, right? So it's SpaceX launching, but they're launching from Kennedy. So we, I mean, this is a big deal because we have not launched astronauts from the U.S. since we shut down the shuttle program right? Anytime they go to the space station, they have to launch from Russia. Mm-hmm. So, and they're in the Soyuz and um, Soyuz is real cramped. I, I've been in like one of them before and it's like, how do you fit three people in there? And then I know from my topo days that they either do a four orbit launch, which means that you're there in six hours, or they do a 34 orbit launch, which means you could be in there for four days. Yeah. <sighs> Terrible. So, this one, they're only in there like overnight, so like three o'clock till 10 a.m. Um, but it's a really big deal because, you know, we have to depend on, you know, other countries and other people's resources and stuff whenever we want to launch to the space station. And and you have to rely on like geopolitical relations at the time. Like yeah. maybe something else is happening that's preventing us from getting to the space station when we need to. Exactly. And not only is this, you know, the first launch that we're doing from U.S. soil in a while, it's also um, like the first commercially crewed launch. Like they're launching astronauts to the ISS and it's a commercial company that is doing it. So this is a huge deal and it gives me lots of hope because, you know, Artemis 1 is supposed to be happening sometime in the next year. So Artemis 1 is, it's an unmanned mission, but Artemis 2 happens in 2023. So Artemis 2 is when they actually have astronauts like on Orion launched from crew soil 
circling the moon. They don't go down yet to the moon. That's Artemis 3, I'm pretty sure, if I have my numbers correct. But this is a big deal. You know, this is the first step to, like, the future of U.S. presence in space and going back to the moon and maybe going to Mars. Like, being self-sufficient cannot be overstated when it comes to this because there's a saying in aerospace engineering, you know, launch is the bottleneck. Like, every time you want to launch something you know, it takes forever. But yeah, right now it's planned for 3.30 tomorrow, Wednesday, the 27th of May. It's a big deal. Um, so it was, they were 60% uh, go for weather last I was going to say, checked. what's the weather look like? Yeah. Yeah. So they were 60% go um, this afternoon, but the good news is that they do their final weather checks before they start fueling and they did start fueling. So they're, they're pretty good. Like fingers crossed that something crazy doesn't happen, but um, they call it like scrubbing the launch, right? When they, yeah. when they don't do it. So I, I was in like a, some group text today and everyone was sending, um, you know, like, I don't want no scrubs. Like, <laughs> scrubs ain't gotta yeah. get you no love from me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So that was fun. Is that hanging out the passenger side of your best friend's ride is like SpaceX, NASA's best friend right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, although you probably don't want to be hanging out the side of the rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's really it's really exciting and people are really excited about it. So yeah, I have a, a class on water management and recovery tomorrow morning and then I'm watching the launch and it's oh, I'm funny. sure everyone at NASA is going to be gathering around oh, to watch yeah. that. That's so cool. It's it's sad because if we were there in person, like, you know, we would be able, like, there'd be people in, like, you know, there's all these different viewing rooms for Mission Control where you can, like, you know, play the loops, like, on loudspeaker. Like, it's nice. I'm really glad that I still get to hear the loops because I thought I wasn't going to be able to, like, doing this remotely and not having, like, um, they use some weird weird device is actually what it's called device um, <laughs> and I don't have a key for it because I don't I'm not there in person anymore um but yeah I thought I was going to be able to listen to it and now I get to and it's it's exciting it's it's a big deal and there's a lot of exciting things going on and um yeah it's hopefully it's a great day to be in the space industry I mean this is a great year there's honestly there's so much development happening in the aerospace industry and I think some of it gets clouded by some other bad news but uh, there's so much innovation that's happening like yeah god aerospace is so cool holy it, shit it is so cool and I think that thankfully working for the government um you know your budget's set like a year beforehand mm -hmm. so we have yet to see you know, the fallout from the economy as of right now. I mean, like, I thought that they were going to cancel summer internships and stuff and all of the, like, the people in my program and the people in, like, the United States Research Association program, they're still at there this summer. Yeah. So actually, I mean, have they talked about this at all? Because I know every time something happens at my work, like flight testing, it's like, well, how are they doing this with COVID? So is that like a conversation that you guys are even having at NASA about like how to make this launch possible? Because you know, there's so many people that have to come together. It's not just the yeah. three astronauts or is it two? Um, I think it's two because <laughs> okay. there's three people on station right now and I was talking to somebody the other, today and they were like hopefully it'll be five soon so I think that means there's two yeah I've seen two pictures oh, it is of two. like it yeah is two. Okay. I remember now I their, their names were on some email I read I, I, uh you know, these are the details I don't pay attention to but probably <laughs> should <laughs> names faces uh yeah and well so you know 
there's more to launching a rocket than just these two people. Like they're not sitting in there, like, you know, hitting the go button from yeah. the capsule. <laughs> they're not like pulling levers and stuff. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're like, <laughs> it's like at the gas Deflect station, the you, yeah, you got to take the, <laughs> the pump out of the, the thing and then climb up <laughs> into it. Um, thankfully, no. So, so many people are involved in the launch and it's, it is kind of sad because I mean, I, I know some interns who are working at Kennedy this summer and, you know, they would have been there to see it, but they have like a very specific, only these people are allowed on site and like there's mm-hmm. no guest passes and stuff like there usually is. Cause I mean, I know a ton of people who would have, they would have flown out there to see this cause this is a big deal. Um, so they've talked about it in that respect. Um, basically that's the, those are the emails I get being like, don't come to Florida. <laughs> Please then, stay away. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm Florida sure doesn't give a shit. They will welcome you. You can go to the beach and watch the <laughs> But okay, so NASA follows federal guidelines though. So even right. though like, you know, Texas is kind of starting to open up, I am certain that it will still be several months before I, I would get to go back to work. Hopefully I get to go back to work before this is over. Because this is a this is a shorter tour for me. This is only 12 weeks instead of 16. So three months instead of four. Wow. So how long are the SpaceX commercial crew going to be on the ISS? Um, I imagine that they're planning on doing it like a normal increment. Um, So they break, you know, the time that you're on station down into increments and then the increments pretty much line up with, you know, when there's a new cast of characters on station. So every time they get new people or, you know, send other people home. Um, so typically increments last a couple of months. Um, there's not a defined amount of time because of the way that they do define it um, with, you know, the cast of characters. I think sometimes they even do it where like, you know, if they have like a big, God, I'm, pu- I'm putting my foot in my mouth about how much I don't know what I'm talking about. But I think they sometimes do it like based on, you know, when different vehicles arrive. So, if you know, if someone's there, if they have a lot of people there for a long time, they'll still break it down into like two increments, you know, marked by, you know, a big cargo arrival or something okay like okay i see yeah but yeah because there's we, there are a lot of cargo launches that have been happening oh, um yeah. they happen often they, and they have they been from u.s soil um the most recent one was htv which is a jaxa vehicle um so not that one but all of the uh cygnus vehicles so those that's northrop grumman right all of mm-hmm. those are from u.s soil but not in kennedy it's at a okay. location on the east coast um, somewhere that I don't remember but yeah I know I, I was like looking at it and I was like is that Kennedy because you can see the ocean and they're like no it's like in like Virginia or something and again that's, that's probably totally wrong so oh that would be so do you remember we went to that job fair once and you went to go talk to this like space mining company I can't even remember oh, yeah. who they were and they were like well if you want to talk to us you have to answer this technical question and it's like why do we launch from Florida and it's like uh, I mean, my professor mentioned it in one sentence once in one lecture, right. and I didn't ingrain it into the back of wow. my mind. I actually know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I do now because yeah. they scared Did that, and now it's forever yeah. in there. Just like the same way that what angle do the hour hand and the minute hand make with each oh, other Jesus. at 315? <laughs> it was 7.5 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, immediate Gosh. answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that probably wasn't even right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. You launch from from Florida because you're closer to the equator, which means you're moving faster. But I mean, it de- you know, it depends how heavy your cargo is and how much you know fuel mm. you need to get it up there. But but I mean, but Cygnuses are big. They're they're big boys. Um, so I mm-hmm. feel like 
So they carry like water and food and like maybe uh, science experiments and stuff like that up to the space yeah, station. Stuff like that. And then they carry down trash and, you know, waste consumables, things like that. Awesome. But, yeah. So and then that means every time that a an astronaut wants to come home, they have to wait until a Soyuz capsule goes up to meet them, drops off new crew, and then they can come back in the capsule. So there's actually always at least enough vehicles up there to take all the astronauts home. Oh, so if okay. Five people. There's always at least two Soyuzes. Um, so it's you know it's kind of like lifeboats. Right. Yeah. The Titanic. Yeah, that ended. Yeah. Great ending. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't really want to run the ISS like the Titanic. That would be, uh, <laughs> not great. Um, so bad yeah. publicity look. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then, I mean, we talked a little bit about this a couple episodes ago when I was talking about, you know, debris collisions, but, you know, it's, it's safe haven. So, like, if something happens to the ISS, they can always escape. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, even when I was in Topo, they were talking about how you would do an emergency escape with multiple vehicles, like how you would, you know, plan that. Like, you know, you can't just all release at once because, like, well, shit. Battle of the fittest, right, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> just play, like, bumper spaceships for a little bit. It'd be fun. <laughs> so, Yeah. And so they have a whole plan for it. They plan everything. I took a space law and policy once, and they have a plan for if an astronaut brings a, a gun to the space station. Like, if he brings his handgun with him, they have a plan for that. Like, What about if they bring COVID? Ooh, I bet that's a new plan. <laughs> I, mean, I bet they had to think about that before the yeah. launch. I bet there oh, is a policy fuck. for it now. Oh, shit. Yeah, they must. They probably have to, like, isolate the astronauts for 14 days just to, like, absolutely make sure. I think that they probably did do that because they arrived a while ago in uh, in Kennedy, oh, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. at least two weeks. I mean, yeah. Dude, that's I know that before we, you know, when the Apollo astronauts came back from the moon, especially on like the first like Apollo 11, the first time they landed on the moon and came back, we put them in quarantine because we were afraid they <laughs> came back with moon cooties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to Space call them moon STDs. cooties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. But yeah, there's um there's a lot of stuff going on at NASA right now. It feels feels kind of weird. I mean, starting this tour remotely, like, you know, it, it's really hard to to get your bearings in a new position when you're starting online mm -hmm. you're like i i have one point of contact and the other person that i know is the branch chief and i probably shouldn't bother him with my stupid questions so like you have one person you can talk to and then you're like well okay here i go so yeah I you can't just turn to your neighbor because your neighbor is your cat so like they probably <laughs> don't know the answer either um, my cat's pretty smart so <laughs> okay right right yeah. i forgot nasa cat <laughs> NASA cat, yeah. My cat's name is actually Dr. Christina Yang. So he's a doctor. <laughs> Smarter than me. <laughs> I did not name the cat, by the way. It's <laughs> a great name, though. Yeah. Some doctor. Yeah. Well, so on, you know, that's awesome news. And I don't know. It's, it's exciting to be a part of the aerospace industry at this time. But like I mentioned, also there are. Also, not exciting. Yeah. Yeah. There are some sadder sides to it. And that's with the COVID situation and how hard it's affected the travel industry. Um, and obviously it doesn't just affect engineers. The travel industry covers so much more. Um, but in terms of engineers working on aircraft or mm -hmm. anything related to country to country transport and stuff like that, it's going to hit pretty hard. And I mean, Boeing has recently released that they're doing, they have been doing voluntary layoffs and they opened up a section for like, if people wanted to, you know, maybe now's a good time to retire or you've been thinking about leaving, you can take this voluntary layoff option. Um, but 
you know, the normal attrition of the group hasn't made up enough for how much, um, how much the industry has shrunk in terms of like commercial aviation. And of course me working in commercial aviation, my group is directly affected by that. And so now there's going to be some involuntary layoffs coming, um, pretty soon. And that's like, I've been having a really hard time with like describing it and how I feel about it. Um, shock. I, I think, you know, you talk about phases of, is it depression or it's just phases like, phases of grief. Yeah. Phases of grief. And so there's, you know, denial, depression, anger, like sadness, and then like alcoholism. acceptance, alcoholism, yeah. right. White callism. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, so I've been like, you know, kind of cycling back and forth where it's just like denial, like, yeah. oh, this isn't going to happen to me. I'm protected. I'm safe. Or this isn't happening. I'm so new that they can't be doing this to me. And then there's like resistance. You know, I remember having a conversation with my manager when they were, uh, trying to move people around in the groups. And I told him like, I'm going to be grabbing onto this desk. Like I, I'm not leaving my desk. I love my job so much. I ain't leaving. Yeah. I'm not fucking leaving even um and you know that was my resistance i was like i can't leave this is the best thing that's ever happened to me you know i wish it was kind of like a oh i experience all these things and then i get over and i hit acceptance and i'm good um but for me it's been like it's been such a whirlwind i mean and i'm sure i'm not the only one that's experiencing it and i'm sure i know that i'm not the one i i don't have the worst of it you know like i'm 23 i'm young i'm single like i didn't just buy a house uh i don't have like kids to take care of and a family to support Mm -hmm. um so it's not like the whole world is crashing down and i'm the one that has it the worst and like poor me but at the same time like it is like it's sad because I got a job that I was so excited for. I loved it. Like it would be easier to get laid off from a job that you hated or that was only mediocre and you knew other places that you wanted to be. Um, But I think that I was so happy and I was still learning in my group that it's like a bummer that I might be having to leave so soon. And I think I mean, I I have been going through that cycle of like, I'll accept it. And then Mm -hmm. another day will happen. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? I'm mad yeah. about this again. Can we talk about how this isn't fair again? Yeah. Cause I'm going to circle back on this and I'm going to be denying about, I'm going to be denying it. And then I'm going to be really upset about it. And then I'm just going to cry and bless my poor boyfriend for like having to deal with all five of those at any given time. Because Sometimes that- at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly, I can like be crying, but also yelling at the same time. <laughs> I feel like when stuff like this happens, you know, it, it puts a lot of like questions in your head. Like, you know, you kind of flip it back onto yourself a lot. Like, I mean, changes are happening right now, not because of anything that we've done, you know, it's situational, but I still feel like, you know, you kind of, you lose a lot of confidence when Mm -hmm. things like this happen. I think that especially with the coronavirus and, you know, companies having cutbacks, it's so easy to, to be like, okay, well, I'm, getting laid off because I'm not as good as the rest of people on my team. You know, I'm getting laid off because it's my fault that I wasn't a better engineer. I wasn't more valuable to the team and I'm easy to let go. And it's really easy to kind of find yourself in that loop and it's really draining on your confidence. And then when you have to continuously like reach out to other companies and try to get your foot in the door and then you get rejections there, it's just like a double whammy where you're like, oh yeah, that like I'm not getting this because I'm not worth it. Just like my company is telling me currently. Um, so I think it's really challenging. I think losing your job and stuff in a time like this feels you know, like you're job searching almost with like a handicap. Like it's, 
it, not only are you job searching, but you have to do it solely on your computer mm-hmm. and in a group of, you know, a lot of people are in the same boat. Yeah, as you, they, so. There's a lot of people with your skills. Like you're not a diamond in the rough. You are the rough and you look rough because you're in quarantine. <laughs> you're a rough in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Oh shit, this is rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what I like to think about when I'm faced with like a, a weird crossroad. What? I like to think of the multiverse. <laughs> yes. The multiverse the beauty of it is that, you know, if there's like an infinite amount of universes, then there is a universe in which every possible outcome of a situation has happened. So sometimes I feel like when I'm making a difficult choice or, you know, something unexpected happens, it helps me to think there's like a a multiverse version of Taylor who, you know, made the opposite choice or, you know, there's a multiverse version of Hannah who, you know, COVID-19 never happened. And, you know, there was no no hiccups to this to the job. It's one of those things to think about, like that. It's you know maybe if the multiverse is real, which you know totally is, um, then there's a real intangible, well not tangible, you know what I mean. There's like a real version of you where this isn't happening, and like how yeah. are you going to make sure that your reality that you're having is worth it? You know, worth it to be in your reality. How yeah. to build that? And we talked about this in our job searching episode too, of like, what's most important to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another way of going through like these unexpected changes is like listening to your hopes. So as you're trying to rationalize this, as you're trying to like vent about it to the people who are around you, who like are probably really tired of hearing you say, how could they, how dare they? Like, am I really worth nothing? They don't want me because I'm nothing. Um, you know, as you're going through those cycles and you're having these vent sessions and you're asking people for opinions, I think a lot of times it's important to like, listen to like, the good things that you've pointed out like why why do you want to stay in your current group so bad or like why is this so bad like what did you value before Mm -hmm. and then just using that and like redirecting your emotions to find the things that you liked again in a different job and then making it even better there's always something that you're hoping for and I think you know when you get laid off you're like well I hope that outcome is I get to keep my job or I hope it's this ideal situation and sometimes that just doesn't happen so you kind of have to um, make the decision between like the lesser of two evils I would say yeah I think the easiest thing to do is to just not change and, yeah. and the second easiest thing to do would be to accept this perfect job opportunity that just like steps on your doorstep and knocks on your door and says, hello, would you like this and a million dollars? And you'll say, yes, <laughs> this was an easy choice. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you're kind of having to like weigh the pros and cons of everything. I, when I was getting ready to record this podcast, we decided we wanted to do it about crossroads. I was, it was last night, I was having a couple of glasses of wine and I read this quote about crossroads that for some reason I thought was like the most profound thing in the world. So I'm going to, I'm going to find it and I'm going to read it because it's definitely not that profound, but it's good. Here it is. You didn't write a sticky note and put it on your computer screen. Oh, I did write a sticky note. Um, and it's in my like, you know, tipsy handwriting. So here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When you're standing at a crossroads in your life, realize that the greatest block that you can put in front of yourself is the idea that there is a correct choice. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like we said, you know, the idea that there's this like perfect thing that's just going to come out, like you're going to get a job in a million dollars. Well, that's not going to happen. So like understanding that the options that you have in front of you, I mean, if you're passionate about them and you could see yourself in that role, then there's nothing wrong with taking it. 
you know, Mm -hmm. you know, my quote has been, it was more on like a technical sense, um, from like a meeting, like a WebEx meeting I had at work one day, but it was just like so profound. I wrote it down and it's plan to the plan until the plan changes, you know, schedule slide and things change, but you have to have a plan. You have to keep moving forward. So you keep doing the things that you think are right until things change. And then you evolve your plans, you know, write in pencil, not pen, um, Mm because things are going to change. You have to know that it probably won't happen exactly like that. So it's okay to have like a rough draft in your mind of how you want to get from A to B. But in the end, you have to know that it's probably going to be from A to Z to D to B. Yeah, You know, like it's not going to go the way that you expect. And so, I mean, if you're like me and you're like, this is awesome. This is the end all be all. Well, it's not. I'm 23. There's a long way to go and a lot of room for things to change. And guess what? They're changing now. So like Mm -hmm. I was speaking with some interns, um, some other people in my program at NASA recently, and they were talking about this guy who has like like an Excel spreadsheet for like he calls it like his master plan or something. And it's like every step of his life, like perfectly mapped out. Everyone was like, that's so cool. And I was like, that seems bad. (laughs) Like there's no there's also no room for ex- yeah. exploration there's no room for exploration you you've basically cut yourself off from possibilities if you do that mm-hmm. and you know there's no more you know surprise and wonder and stuff even if it does go completely as planned which let's face it there's no freaking way you can perfectly plan out the next 20 years of your life Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it does, like, it's not interesting, I think. I had, like, a general outline of how my life was going to go. And it's not, like, set in stone and it has to be A and then it has to be B and it has to be C. But I think that, you know, the craziest thing is that I don't know where I'm going to be in three months. I don't even mm-hmm. know if I'm going to be in Washington State. I don't know if I'm going to be in Seattle. I don't know if I'm going to have a job or if I am, like, where is it going to be? What company is it going to be at? And that's scary because I've never once not known where I was going to be in the next couple of months. You know, Mm -hmm. like when I got my internships and when I got accepted to college, I had at least five months to figure out like, okay, I have this, I'm accepting it. These are the people I'm going to be around. Like, this is where I'm going to be living. This is how much money I'm going to be making, that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. this is just such a sudden change. And it's like, holy shit. And, and, and the other hard part is, you know, you had these plans like, oh, in September, I'm going to be doing this. And now it's like, I'm not going to be doing that anymore. And that's so disheartening. Like it was sad to have trips canceled because of COVID. Like, oh, I didn't get to go on a road trip to Utah national parks. But like, Mm -hmm. I mean, with the perspective that I have now, it's like, I don't even know if I'm going to see these people in a month, maybe. Like, what if I have to leave for a new job that soon? And that's terrifying. Like I, I've been really struggling with that. And I've been trying to, you know, get in contact with a bunch of people that could have some insights on what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. as engineers, we have such like a, you know, we, we had to be organized to get here, right? We had such a well-defined And we're proactive path. and planning. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you knew exactly you had to pass your classes in high school. You knew exactly what your GPA had to be. You, I mean, you knew you're going to get into a college, but you know, you planned really hard to figure out which one or try to get which one or whatever. And then, you know, you're in college, you know, you know, you know, every step that you have to do, like basically on like a monthly basis. And I mm-hmm. feel like, I mean, I feel like when we first started working, I know I talked to a lot of people who were like, I feel kind of aimless now. Like for the first time in a long time, I don't have like, you know, this pressing goal that has to be achieved. I'm just, you know, 
working now and it feels Mm -hmm. kind of stagnant but I mean on the flip side of that is you know what if that's taken away from you now it's like okay not only I mean not only is this like the first time where I've just been like left in the dust and I have no freaking idea what I'm supposed to do but now it's like a matter of survival as well yeah yeah. And, and I think the hard part was, is I, you know, I was in such a sweet spot where I was like, this is great. And now like, I can see what I want to be doing in a year from now. And I have this like plan mm-hmm. forming and coming together. And now not only is my like plan to like go back to school and like get more educated and learn about this area and learn about that area. Not as, not only is that taken away from me, but now my job and my sense of security and my like foundation, like I am moving apartments right now. And now I don't know, like I'm not signing a new lease to an apartment right now because I don't know where I'm going to be. And that's yeah. terrifying. And I had like plans to be making these awesome steps in life that I just like felt really comfortable with and I felt like happy and secure in my team and now poof (laughs) so fast actually that's more what it was like and then like everyone lost their shit and then the world shut down and then I lost my job so that's actually the uh series of events but Mm -hmm. given that though I've been looking a lot online for like tips and resources knowing that I'm not the only one that's going through this and maybe our listeners are experiencing this as well and so like we talked about before we have this awesome series coming up where we're going to be talking about how to deal with unexpected changes and how to get back out there in the job market when it's something that you put on the back burner for the last nine months like you said we didn't have to update our resume for every 10 minutes like like we did in college yeah exactly like I forgot how to have a conversation with recruiters and I like you know didn't keep in contact with these people like I should have I guess um so that's another like little tip you know you get such great you get networks well you get such great networks in college and then you find your job and you're like cool I can forget about that for a minute and just breathe and Mm -hmm. not saying that you can't do that but you should also like try to continue that so that when you get to my stage you're not like oh fuck like where did everyone go that I knew like how do I just out of the blue reach out to this person like hey how's your cat doing also do you have jobs you know (laughs) like just keeping up that continuous conversation and being proactive about it I mean it sucks and sometimes it feels a little forced but I mean yeah yeah but you'd rather feel that instead of like you do in my situation right now which is like what do I do and so I mean, going off that, we've been talking to a lot of different people who have been experienced in the job searching industry, recruiting industry, um, who are career coaches, career counselors. And like last week with Gail, um, we had an awesome conversation with her about what you should be doing to prepare for these jobs and how to get your application Mm -hmm. in front of them and make it a meaningful application. Um, And then today we have another awesome interview lined up for you guys. And honestly, this was such a great interview. Like, I don't know if it's just because the situation that I'm in, but I could listen to her speak for like hours. Yeah. Um, but she has been a career coach and her articles and her blog posts are, were really insightful. So we reached out to her and we got to have an awesome conversation. And so now we have it for you guys today. Yay. I hope you guys get as much from it as we do. Cause I mean, this was my first intercontinental interview and, um, Yeah, not only was she on our podcast, but we were on hers. This was also my first time being interviewed for a podcast. Right. Which was, yeah, which was new. Which was was honestly a little scary because she was such a professional. And then here's us being like, doing it the different way. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, do I need to? 
am I being interviewed for a job or am I just like on my podcast? And yeah. so it was a little intimidating. I hope that, you know, her listeners like us as well. But um, oh, but we're so lovable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, tune in coming up next. But also, if you want to reach out to us, vent with us, feel free to do so. We'd love to hear from you guys and yeah. let us know how you're doing. You know, we're all in this boat together and we say it all the time but yeah it's not just one person this pandemic you know it's happening to everyone so reach out tell us tell us about what's going on in your lives and yeah we're telling you what's going on in ours yeah you we can cycle through the stages of grief together you know exactly. let us know which one you're on and we'll meet you because um, yeah. i feel it i feel them all yeah. <laughs> so. Alrighty. well here is the interview I was going to say today we have a special guest in the virtual studio, but our guest, Jane Jackson, is actually a day ahead of us. Uh, Jane is joining us from Australia, and she's been a career coach for over 20 years, uh, and she's been featured in a bunch of different media platforms. She has a blog, a podcast, and she's an author of an Amazon number one bestseller, Navigating Career Crossroads. So you fit perfectly in with our topic for today, which is where we're going to be talking about kind of unplanned changes, especially in careers. And with that, Jane, do you want to share a little bit about yourself and how you became a career coach? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Taylor and Hannah, for having me on your show. It's really an honor, especially all this way, because I think it's quite late in the evening for you and it's early in the morning for me in Sydney. <laughs> yeah. um, but th thanks for the introduction. It was, it was very comprehensive. So that's lovely. Um, yes, I'm a career management coach and I specialize in career transition coaching. So helping people to get from A to B, basically, where is it that they want to go? And mm -hmm. I take them step by step through the process because sometimes getting into your career or making a change in careers can quite daunting and knowing a step-by-step -step process to follow because really it's just a process um, if you know what to do then you can market yourself effectively and I think especially for young graduates who are getting into the workforce what they underestimate is the power of your network and so mm -hmm. networking is one of the most powerful things you can do to enhance your career over time and um, for myself it was really through networking that I even became a career coach so you know my early days I, I started off in with a degree in graphic design and technical illustration completely different and that's mm. what I started my career in transitioned into public relations because I found that I could talk a lot more uh, in fact a, a little more <laughs> effectively than I could design things because I'm a hopeless designer honestly really hopeless but I'm good at talking so I went into uh, public relations and was working client side and agency side in Hong Kong and then I moved to San Francisco and then London and continued there then moved to Singapore made another career transition and transitioned into something completely different which was health and fitness and wellness and so I became a fitness instructor for many years and was sponsored <laughs> by Nike and because I was doing a lot of teacher training as well I ended up transitioning into corporate training and after a few years working with some banks and doing corporate training I was approached to just to help people to make a career transition into something different and that's mm -hmm. when I ended up specializing in career transition coaching and it felt like home it's really interesting when you find something that it feels so rewarding to you that you know you were born to do this and so for the past 20 mm -hmm. years I've been a career transition coach so basically that's what happened it wasn't part of a grand plan it was just a it was the meandering sort of career path, but it took me 20 years, girls, to um, become 
who I wanted to be. And this, this is why I coach now, because I want people to really understand who they are, what makes them tick, so that they can get into the true career path that fits them earlier on in their career, rather than waiting for 20 years, as I had to do. That's awesome. It sounds like, you know, you mentioned networking and you've worked all over the world. So how did you manage to build such a wide range network, um, like across the world and in so many different fields? Okay, well, well, one of the things is growing up in Hong Kong, it's a melting pot of cultures. And so there are a lot of um, expatriates who are living in Hong Kong and then would leave and go to different countries. Mm-hmm. And because I, I just, I'm, I'm a very social, social person. And um, I've made many friends when I was in, in high school. Then those friends from my secondary school years, I still keep in contact mm-hmm. with them. Then when I went to university in Minnesota, I kept in contact with my alumni as well at college. And when I I returned to work in Hong Kong. I, I, I was writing letters in the old days. Honestly, I've been around for so long. We wrote letters <laughs> rather than emails. And it was, it was wonderful because receiving a letter from an old friend about, you know, what they've been doing, it, I, I just found it, it was really rewarding. And so I kept in contact with people. And this is the problem these days. People don't think about keeping in touch with people if they're in yeah. their you know in, in their vicinity then you think oh i'll give them a call we'll catch up for dinner or whatever but if someone moves away very often you might keep in contact one or two emails now but then they kind of fade from your mind mm-hmm. and you don't mm-hmm. maintain that network and that's such a mistake because especially in in the early days and if you're at university now and you're getting so close to the people that you're working with in your industry and and the new ladies are engineers you're making very very valuable connections now Mm -hmm. when people move on and start working don't let those connections go keep in touch even if it's you know once a month hey how are you going just a little note and these days with email with a phone call with whatsapp with whatever it is that you use Mm -hmm. on linkedin send those little messages just to maintain that contact because you know further down the track you could help someone else and someone else could help you too I, yeah, I feel like when you get those little like notes and messages from people, I feel like that's, I mean, it makes you feel so special and keeping those connections is so important. By the way, I'm actually originally from Minnesota and um, yeah, oh. I moved to California and then Washington and now Texas. And yeah, I can tell you that you, you tend to keep in touch with maybe like one or two people. And I think that with all the ways we have to keep in touch these days, like it almost... It, I mean, it feels like it's so easy that sometimes you don't think about it as much anymore. Yeah, I would say, I mean, a lot of times it gets reduced down to, oh, well, I'm keeping in touch because they posted about this and I liked it. But like, yeah. really, you should reach out and say, oh, I didn't know you were doing this. Tell me a little bit about it. Like actually creating meaningful conversation versus just like checking in on social media um, and liking this or hearting that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that we get a little bit lazy because if we if we just put a like, we think, okay, we're done now. <laughs> they, yeah. they know that I'm alive. They know that I'm still there. <laughs> but it's, it's not genuine connection. And I'm all for making genuine genuine connections and getting to know people because if 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 you just know someone on the surface that's just you know that's your public face you know say mm-hmm. your linkedin profile and you put put something that's you know everything to do with you know you as a professional of course but if you don't put anything a little bit more personal in your profile as well people won't get to know the real you and um i i co-host these 
uh, networking events called LinkedIn Local Sydney events. And of course, because of COVID-19 currently, um, our, our events have become virtual. And that's been great because then we've opened it up to the world as well. But what we say is get to know the real people behind their online presence because it's during that genuine connection that you can really tap into the essence of who they are and you know what that's when people become memorable as well and even though I'm getting to know you Taylor and Hannah right now through zoom video conferencing because I can look you in the eye <laughs> and I can see your body language and your beautiful smiles and, and I can feel the warmth coming through the camera as well and you know what was interesting I, I interviewed um, a LinkedIn guru actually the LinkedIn guru Alan Pease uh, on my podcast oh gosh about six months ago and he said it's with your body language in a video conference if you position yourself well so that you you know like we do now we're we're head and shoulders we're here we're really looking into each other's eyes while I'm looking to the camera at the moment but then when I look into your eyes I look down a little bit but it's there's a technique to using video conferencing yeah. um, people are watching your face and because they're on the other side of the camera it doesn't look you don't know that they're actually staring at you and observing you know whether you mm -hmm. raise your eyebrow whether you're smiling whether you look distressed or not and it's very telling with the personality that comes through so think about that for interviews as well yeah. that's a really good point especially because a lot of interviews are probably going to be virtual now but I, I want to ask you about that so that's one of the things I've realized especially as now everything has become virtual you're not just like running into someone at a coffee shop and starting up conversations you're having to deliberately message them and you know mm -hmm. try to spark this relationship or natural conversation via messaging or emails um, and so do you have any tips for kind of getting to know someone a little deeper than surface level so say you found someone in a position that you're interested in or at a company that you like how do you transition that to instead of being like hello i like what you do to like also getting to know the person and then also i mean the ultimate goal of building a network is being able to like you know, ask oh, do you have or know of any positions available or anyone that i can talk to so mm -hmm. i mean i i think that's one of the things i struggled with especially in college because you know there's a lot of I used to call it force bonding. I would joke about that. Yeah. Like that's my one thing about college was force bonding. I didn't like it because I wasn't very good at it. And the kind of connections that I make with people are the people that I was just naturally working around or sat next to in class mm -hmm. and got to build like a deeper relationship. Yeah, it wasn't deliberate. It was kind of like, you know, happened naturally. And and that that's harder over online because you have to like send a direct message to somebody in order to get a response. And I feel like it kind of reduces the social setting of your workplace a lot because you're only really talking to the direct people that you're mm -hmm. working with or like you need a question answered from and it's not mm -hmm. so much about like oh like what'd you do over the weekend type like water cooler conversation yeah like it would be a little bit more awkward for me to just send someone a message on linkedin like how'd your weekend go <laughs> you know and i did this um versus if i was like making coffee at my workplace i could make that conversation a little more natural so do you have any tips about that yeah well first of all i I miss those coffee cooler <laughs> chats yeah. with, with, with colleagues and friends, you know, that you'd meet up because that's when you just relax. And sometimes it's just a one-off comment that's quite funny. You have a laugh and then there's a little mm. bit of bonding and rapport developing. But now that um, we, we really have this, this enforced self-isolation for a while and we will come out of it soon, that would be good. The important thing is, is first of all, while we're in self-isolation and we're, we're working away from our normal workplace, don't stop your networking activities because 
so often it's out of sight, out of mind. And people think, oh, I'll ramp everything up or I'll, I'll look for a job you know, later and not mm-hmm. do anything now. And that's, that's a big mistake because if you do that, people will forget. And if you've already started you know, your job search activities or your networking activities and you're making some inroads and developing relationships, if you suddenly drop everything away, People will forget and it's going to be so much harder to, to ramp up again. It's a little bit like businesses and their marketing activities. Um, mm-hmm. Statistically, it's been shown that during a downturn, if businesses keep marketing themselves, they're the ones who are able to you know, really ramp up very quickly. Whereas the ones who decide to save money and don't market, then their whole reputation kind of fizzles and then they yeah. have to work so much harder and spend more to boost it when the economy takes off again. And it's the same thing for career professionals and when you're building your brand. But if you want to reach out to someone, one of the worst things you can do is to reach out on LinkedIn for the first time and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Can you help me? I mean, please never, never do that. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that you yeah. know not to do that. But developing a relationship, when you first reach out to someone, before you do, do some research on them first. What have they got on their LinkedIn profiles? Then you might want to have a look online at, you know, who's who you know, in Hong Kong or who's who in Australia or who's who in, in America and see if there's any additional information. Google them, see if they've been quoted in the press or if they've spoken at a conference, especially if you're trying to network your way into a specific organization and it might be a head of department that you'd love to get noticed by. Uh, make sure that you do your research first of all and then when you reach out it could be initially just if they've got say some posts on LinkedIn or any sort of content out there it could be that you like and comment on it but not just great article say something (laughs) intelligent first of all (laughs) oh I really enjoyed this aspect of it in fact and then you can add your two cents worth as well so that people know that you've got an opinion um, but obviously you know be be tactful with how you comment on posts so don't keep commenting on every single post that they do all of a sudden because sometimes people get very enthusiastic with networking and then they just do everything all in one or two days and then suddenly they stop this needs to be a consistent effort over a period of time and so re- say if it's one particular person in a particular company that you want to get to know or get noticed by, I would say start seeing what sort of content they may post if they are posting and then like and comment, but intelligently on it. Then after you've done that for a little while, then reach out and tell them that they have, you have really enjoyed their content um, because of what it is. And, you know, as I'm an engineering student or whatever you might want to say, I'd really like to keep in contact and maybe connect. And then and see if they respond and if they don't still continue to you know, comment intelligently on their posts as well and make a second approach if they ignore you the second time then never mind just leave it because <laughs> yeah. they probably won't want to get to know you but then another approach could be think of their sphere of influence what do they do and who do they interact with other than you Um, So if there's someone else who seems to comment a lot on their posts and they work for the same company, then start following them and see what they do. Because when you get known by someone's sphere of influence, hopefully if they get to know you well enough, then they would recommend you as someone worth speaking with or worth connecting with as well. So take Mm -hmm. it as a step-by-step process. But the important thing is, is find out about them. Remember, people love to be flattered. It's just human nature. If Mm -hmm. you say, 
oh, hey, Taylor, hey, hey, Hannah, I really love that article that you posted. You'd feel good. You'd think, who is this random yeah. career coach in Sydney commenting on my stuff? But you might think, oh, well, that, that was very nice of her to say. Then you might check out my profile and think, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. Let's connect. It's a little mm -hmm. bit like you, you emailed me directly, what, last week? I had no idea who you were. So I thought, oh, okay, well, that was a very nice, nicely written um, email. And so I had a look at your profiles and I thought, wow, what interesting um, young women who are engineers and doing work at NASA and at Boeing. And I was very impressed. And I thought, yeah, let's, let's connect and find out more about you. Okay, so you did it just right. You girls know what you're doing. Way to go, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I feel like it's a skill that I think oftentimes is overlooked in engineering. Like you, you think that because, you know, you have this like technical prestige that kind of comes with engineering. Like if you're a good enough engineer, you'll get the job. You'll get the job you want because you're, you know, you have all the, like you have all the boxes ticked. But I think it was surprising to see how much of getting a job, even for a technical field like engineering, is all about networking and, you know, who do you know and who's willing to recommend you and yeah I mean yeah. the person behind the jobs not just the jobs themselves yeah I think it's it's such a competitive field isn't it and you know mm. you're highly qualified and then there are many others who are highly qualified and sometimes being in a field such as engineering as well it, it, it it's very competitive for the boys, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about boys and girls. I call myself a girl as well. <laughs> so, so some people don't like to be called girls and boys, but it's just my, my habit. Um, with the boys, there are so many who are highly qualified as well. And then the, the, the percentage of women in engineering is much lower than the percentage of men. Mm. Why is that? That's a great question. I mean, and I, and I think the, one of the things that is a little difficult. You know, they teach you how to write your resume. You go talk to your career counselor at uh, your university or you talk to professors and they say, oh yeah, network with these people. But it's just kind of like you hear, oh, you write your resume and then you network and then you get a job offer. But there's not a lot of like clear direction or lessons about how to create that network. It's just like, we'll go to these events and network or, and, and it's all packaged into just the network. word, you know, the verb yeah. networking, but there's, there's more behind it. Like you said, and I think that you worded it really great. And uh, thank you so much for Do sharing find, that. Um, are, are you given any uh, training at all or guidance as to how to network effectively or what to say, or you know, no. how, how you can tentatively create a script, no, nothing like that, just go and network. So yeah. what does, what does mm -hmm. networking mean to you? It's yeah. It's, I mean, what Hannah was saying, like you, you know, you're told like reach out to these people. So it's kind of, yeah, I feel like your first instinct is just, you know, send an email and be like, Hey, let me introduce mm -hmm. myself. But I mean, beyond that, I feel like it's more just kind of like, you know, networking is like, you know, the people that you work with, like we, we both worked at the wind tunnel together and that's how we know each other. And we all have, a, we have a bunch of friends from there who ended up going to different companies. So now I think our, our network is kind of like, you know, we, we have little inroads at different places from those people, but it was, yeah, it was because of natural social connections rather yeah. than, you know, intentional ones. I think that's what Taylor and I worked on and especially like being females and then just like our natural personalities of being more chatty and talkative. Um, that's how we can build those natural relationships. But I'm realizing now, especially, you know, with the COVID situation and with 
businesses and companies having to cut back financially and I'm having to step into that networking field. And it's a lot more scary than I imagined. And, you know, I I am realizing like, oh, this person responded. What do I say? The panic afterwards. Do I ask what color their shoes are today? (laughs) Like, yeah. Can I I make some suggestions just to make networking simple? Because when you're networking, first of all, all networking because some people think it's schmoozing you know so here's my card call yeah. me no, no forced interaction yes. <laughs> networking all it is is it's developing a relationship with another human being so that you they can get to know you hopefully like you and then trust you over time so it it, it really is a rapport and the way that you communicate to someone if you are open and honest and genuine and if they say how can i help you you know how to pitch yourself. I mean, have an introductory positioning statement so that it it really encapsulates who you are very easily. And people can decide if they're interested or not. I always like to do like a five second intro. Some people think, oh, my introduction has to be really long and I have to Mm -hmm. put everything in there (laughs) for people to be interested. But if you put everything in there, people will get bored (laughs) because... Yeah. Then you have yeah. nothing to you talk maintain about. The mystery. You yeah. told them everything. Yeah, you've got to gauge, you know, their level of interest. Like I like to have something which is like your name, and then um, describe who you are, and then what your claim to fame might be. So it's like name, same claim to fame. So I'm Jane Jackson, for example. Um, I'm a career management coach. So you can put me in a box. So I'm Jane Jackson. I'm a career management coach. Easy, makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. But then I add one more thing: claim to fame. I specialize in career transition coaching. And so that means I'm a specialist in a particular area, okay? And so maybe, mm-hmm. I'm, Taylor, you might be a specialist in robotics now because you've got some experience, or I am specializing. If you think, oh, I'm a bit, bit new in this field, I can't say I'm mm. a specialist just yet, <laughs> but I'm specializing in robotics, then that means, oh, you're doing something that you're really interested in and you're going to become someone very important in this area so i specialize in career transition coaching or i might say career change coaching if someone wants to make a a change from a to b for example and then i i look people in the eye and see is there any interest there because they might say oh that's interesting and if they look like they're interested then i'll go to the next level which is what this what this basically means is I work with senior executives through the emotional roller coaster of career change or redundancy because a lot of people I'm working with are going through a change and because so many jobs are affected especially now with COVID-19 and even before with mergers or acquisitions or um, downsizing of companies people might go through a redundancy and you start a career very excited because you think oh this is going to be my life now and I'm on this great trajectory but there is no such thing as a hundred percent job security oh, and yeah. you know, companies you know, do downsize. And then currently with COVID-19, many people have been stood down or furloughed or whatever the term might be, depending on which country you're in. Um, that's really shaken people's confidence. They think, what can I really rely on? And that's kind of scary, especially when you're starting out in your career and you think, Oh, I'm working here, but, Am I going to be secure? Now, the thing that will make you secure is your fully, fully understanding who you are, what you represent and what you can do. So if you know, you're, you're Hannah and you're Taylor and what is it that you do and what are you specializing in, then that means, oh, that's really interesting to tell me some more. And if I need an explanation, then you can go to the next level. So whenever you're introducing yourself, have the little steps 
uh, that you can add to and add to. And if someone's eyes glaze over, then move on. There are plenty of other people to talk to. <laughs> You've gone one step too far. Helpful? Yeah, that's that's yeah. perfect. I honestly, I, f- I feel like you like you like read our minds almost because that's kind of exactly what's happening to us right now with the changes happening. Like we we got out of school, we graduated. You know, we got these awesome jobs that we're so excited about. And I mean, we we thought that it was you know we thought it was it. Like we were set. We were done for at least a couple of years. Take yeah. a break. <laughs> I can finally stop yeah. updating my resume every ten minutes. Like. <laughs> And now it's, you know, none of us planned for anything like this. And the the great jobs and trajectories we had are now, you know, veering in a different direction because it's because of everything happening that, you know, yeah. we couldn't have possibly planned for. And it's kind of scary, isn't it? I mean, it's, scary. Oh, it's terrifying. It makes yeah. you feel a little bit insecure because you, 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 you plan, you spend so many years studying your craft you know and your engineers and you're specializing in your certain areas and you're working at you know really blue chip wonderful named companies which is fantastic so it's going to be very good on your resume already but what is it that you really want what is it that you offer something that you need to really consider is what are the problems that you can solve because in order to move forward in your career it's not who you know so expanding your network for the sake of that is fine but it's not really the best thing to do it's a who knows what you can do so what do you stand for like i'll I'll ask both of you okay what's the one big thing that you know hannah that you can do that is going to be that is of value to the company that you're working in at the moment what can you do what's the one thing um, one my big thing that I've kind of built my background on is uh, simplifying processes. So I think that I'm really good at targeting, you know, choking points in a workflow or any obstacles that my coworkers are facing. I think that my best ability is to understand and receive feedback and then create a solution that's really custom for what they need. Um, And I've done that a couple of times in my job. And I think that's something that I really enjoy and something I didn't know that I would enjoy so much before graduating and getting into my job. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you can simplify processes, you find solutions to problems. And, and so basically, you're able to save time, save effort, and therefore save money, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when you're explaining that, then what you need to do is the next step is for example and then you give me an example and you tell me the situation you tell me the action that you took and you tell me the tangible result mm-hmm. yeah okay, so if you say for example last month i worked on whatever it was project there were these issues and these challenges with it what i did or as a core team member say if it was a team effort uh, what we did is this and then that it resulted in and then tell us what the tangible outcome was. That's really powerful because if you have those sorts of examples, they'll answer any behavioral question that you might come across in an interview, for example, but also it makes your claim that you can streamline processes real for me because Mm -hmm. now I can, you know, I hear your story and the stories are what people remember. I won't remember that you simplify processes. I'll remember the really interesting story that you told where there was this difficulty and wow you overcame all of these challenges and you had to communicate and you had to influence and you had to analyze and mm-hmm. you know th- there'll be lots of um bits to the story that will demonstrate your multiple skill sets so stories are very powerful uh when you're explaining something 
And what about you, Taylor? Tell me the one big thing. And I know that there are many things that you both of you can do, but Taylor, what's the one big sort of solutions focused, the the problems that you solve? Um, I think that my big thing is I'm really great at communicating. I'm a, I'm a very people oriented person and being like a flight controller and mission control. It's all about communicating the pertinent problems and finding solutions quickly. But I also think that it puts me in a unique position to be a good mentor and a good instructor. And I I enjoy being in those roles a lot. And I find that I kind of, I gravitate towards, you know, wanting to help people in that way or wanting to kind of take people under my wing. And I think that's that's something that I really have enjoyed about every job that I've worked in that's kind of carried from, from job to job. And I'd say it's unique for engineers because engineers are not the best communicators. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, this is unusual because usually (laughs) when you think of an engineer, it's very process driven and analytical in approach, Mm -hmm. but then you bring the human side as well. And then you can give me a, for example, you know, when I was working in the flight center, there was this, whatever it was that happened within the team and Mm -hmm. how you resolved that issue. And now, you know, we, we work, you know, as a really high performing cohesive team and collaboration is, you know, all part of it. So, so think of what it is that you really enjoy. Um, Why am I interviewing you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I I can't help myself. (laughs) No, I think this is great because I think that our listeners are a lot like Taylor and I, and I think that they're going to be able to take something from starting out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you said, you a lot of the people that you're working with are, you know, you're getting tons of business now because the COVID situation and people are having to transition, maybe a lot, probably a lot of people unexpectedly. Have you found anything that sticks out between the people who are more successful at transitioning than others? And what is it that they did that was proactive or how they prepared themselves for this unexpected change? Mm. I, I think the important thing is, is that the, the, the people who are going well with this is that they had career clarity they they understood who they were what they had to offer and they didn't panic so during these situations the first thing i always recommend everybody to do is really manage your stress levels first of all because Mm -hmm. uncertainty causes stress and anxiety and when you're feeling anxious you, you can't perform to your best. You, you, you don't speak in the same way because our communication style tends to change a bit when we're Oh, I get pressure. much faster and louder. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. can tell. Yeah, that's right. Because there are, there are four main communication styles. There's the intuitor, the thinker, the feeler, and the sensor. I'm naturally a feeler because I'm a people person and I want everyone to be happy and lead a wonderful life and all this. And that's just me. I'm warm and warm and fuzzy basically so (laughs) mainly harmless as a career coach but being warm and fuzzy actually lends itself very well to supporting uh, roles such as coaching and counseling and nursing and teaching and all that sort of thing but when I'm under pressure I'm so ratty because I've become a high sensor in my communication style and it's, you know, I need to get results. And so I'm very nice as a coach, but if you don't do the work, then I might get a bit ratty and go, okay, Mm. accountability now, you need to get this done in order to move to the next step. So, so you have to be aware of how your communication style changes when you're um, under pressure, when there are deadlines, when you're angry, when you're upset, um, when you're frustrated, because it's not the normal you that people are used to. So, so if you can keep your stress levels 
okay, maintain them through meditation and exercise and talking to people and reaching out for professional help if you need it, then you can start to build your confidence again to know, okay, I got this, I can do this. Once you can do that, then assess what have you got to offer? What are your skills? What are your qualifications? What are your preferences? What really motivates you and what demotivates you? Because if your job's been affected now, take stock of what that job was. Was it the dream job? Or were there aspects of it that mm, could have been better? Mm -hmm. And if they could have been better, then maybe the change could be a blessing in disguise too because you know many people who have been affected by redundancies and it's like oh woe is me because i've lost my job and i'm saying okay so tell me how perfect this job was tell me all the good things now tell me all the things that could have been better and so often you realize that actually it wasn't the dream job after <laughs> all uh, because these things could be better and so all right if those could be better let's have a look at the different organization or well, different industries, say, or different organizations that are out there. What's the culture like? What are the opportunities? Let's reach out to some people and find out a little bit of background about those companies as well to determine if the culture or the team or even the opportunities, you know, for further advancement are what you aim for. Some people want to keep learning. Some people just want to be in a happy environment, you know, with a really supportive boss. Some people want a hands-on boss who can really guide them. Others want a, a boss who lets them be quite autonomous and is hands-off in their approach so that they can get on with what they, they need to do. So for, for people to start to take control, I'd say assess what is important to you in your life, Find out what your true career anchor is and what the pull is. For some people, they want to be the technical expert. Usually with engineers, it, it really is a technical functional anchor that drives you because you want to become an expert in a particular area. But for others, you think you want that, but really you're more of a general managerial anchor where you like to pull the teams together. And now I'm just thinking just from two simple examples that you both gave me for for hannah you know you love to simplify processes and so i think you know that the analytical side and working with data and all of it must be something that drives you it's just a little clue is that right yeah, yeah i don't there's it's funny because there's two um paths that they mention at boeing you either become a people manager or a project manager like a technical leader and mm -hmm. i generally steer towards you know the projects that we work on versus the people that are on the team so yeah that yeah, i think that's yeah. And it makes sense just from the one example that popped into your head right away, you led you that way. Whereas with Taylor, it's all about the people, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I didn't expect that because I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to, to two engineers, you know, who work at, you know, space centers and, and for aeronautical companies. But then for you, it's, it's all about bringing people together and communicating effectively. So it's very different. So maybe for you, perhaps and you need to do a full assessment to, to mm -hmm. really know which is your true anchor maybe pulling teams together and getting people to work as a cohesive whole is what makes you feel satisfied and then we've got autonomy pure challenge entrepreneurial creativity dedication to a cause or service lifestyle um there are so many different anchors that pull you in a certain direction. And if you know what it is, then each time you make a career decision, you can make the right career decision because you'll know if you're fulfilling your anchor or not. Because I work with so many people who are in their 30s or 40s and they're so miserable. And when we analyze their anchor, they, they didn't even realize that they had veered away from it. They started following it, but then they got 
tapped on the shoulder and there was a promotion or there was yeah. some more money or there was a move somewhere that they thought, oh, this is exciting. And then they take it. But what they didn't realize was it was actually pulling them away from what they really wanted to do because mm. of the lure of more money. But then was money really their top value? You see, there mm. are so many things to think about when you make career decisions and we get influenced by what our parents say, what our peers say, what our teachers yeah. may say to us. And, you know, yeah. just because your teacher says, yeah, that's right for you. Do they really know? Well, Maybe. and that's one of the things that we we've talked about before. I mean, our last episode, we kind of talked about, you know, the peer pressure that comes along with like finding your job and what mm -hmm. offer you should take from your company. And the, you're right. The anchor is different for every person. And so I think one of the things that's unique about engineering is it kind of seems like there's, you know, people look down upon the engineers that don't take these high analytical technical leader roles. Yeah. You're kind of like shunned if you take a more people managerial role, which I think is also what leads to engineering having this idea that they're bad communicators and there's yeah. no connection, no way to get personal um, is because there is like that, like I said, looking down upon those people who have more of those connections or do more of the people management. So I think I love what you said, having an anchor. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. But that gives yeah. you a good, good sense of identity. Like I feel like with everything going on, yeah, it's, it's really scary to be losing jobs and yeah, you get really, you know, run down, you lose your confidence and having that sense of identity of being able to know that, you know, you, you have this thing that you're searching for and just cause it wasn't, you know, this, this crazy thing happened and you didn't find it at this job, you'll be able to spin it in a new way and be like, maybe something good will come from this and you'll be able to you know chase that dream a little bit more because you have that that anchor to reality and i think yeah. that the us being so new in our careers it seems like oh my gosh the world is ending i'm losing my job but mm -hmm. you know maybe i haven't looked at it fully because i am so new to my job or my position that maybe i just I didn't notice that there were a couple of things that weren't great about it. And now that I have a chance to like look back and think, oh, well, if I had the opportunity, I probably would change this and that. And now, you know, just understanding that this job that I have seems like my whole world because it is the only job that I've had after graduation, but mm. there's going to be so much more and I have a whole career after this. So it's not the end all be all if I have to move from my current position. Yeah, a career, it's its a journey and it's really exciting. I mean, just think at the beginning of, of, of this interview, I told you my journey was very eclectic and I can't tell you how much I love what I do now. And I think I'm good at what I do now because of the experiences that I've had. So whatever experience anyone you know who's listening to your show is going through right now, it helps to define you as a person as well. And because they're very challenging times now, what it will do for us because really the, these these times are um, it, it's a learning experience for us it will help us to develop resilience and self-reliance because you realize we can't rely on other people or companies to do everything for us the only thing honestly that we can rely on is our ability and our attitude to external events. And so if we're making any sort of a change, the change is external, but that transition process in our head of becoming a stronger person, a more valuable person, it's an internal transition. Um, and so think, think of these challenges now as, okay, here's my opportunity to reassess what I can do, what I really want to do, and where do I want to be in the future as well? Because 
when you're looking for a job and you've got the dream job in mind, it might not be one step to get there. It might be mm-hmm. three or four steps. And maybe you need to develop a different skill set in order to be able to be successful in this other area. You know, have, have a little bit of a, a gap analysis and see what have I got that makes me suitable for that top role. Whatever is missing, maybe you get a lesser role that will give you the opportunity to take special projects or whatever it might be so that you can develop that skill set, whether it's people management or whether it's something technical. Now, if it's more on the technical side, of course, you can take a certification or another qualification in order to get that. And Mm -hmm. so can someone else. But once you've got that piece of paper, someone else will have that piece of paper too. Mm -hmm. So what's going to make you unique is what we need to discover. Wow, that's so greatly put. I think that's a perfect way to end. Um, And I think that our listeners are really going to appreciate everything that you shared with us. So before we wrap up and leave, I want to give you a chance to plug all of your social media and websites and where people can find you. It'll also be on our website. So we want to make sure that people can get in touch with you as well. That's such Mm -hmm. a terrible word, plug. (laughs) (laughs) But thank thank you for that opportunity. Well, first of all, this, this, okay, this is a very useful useful book, Navigating Career Crossroads. It was published five years ago, but the second edition just came out two weeks ago uh, because I've updated everything. And especially with LinkedIn, there's a lot of new Mm -hmm. information about LinkedIn because there've been so many changes. And so it was released two two weeks ago and within um, one day, it got to number one in job hunting and resumes in Amazon Australia, which is very exciting. So if you like it, you'll find Navigating Career Crossroads on on amazon.com. Um, and if you want to follow any of my social media uh, platforms, and of course, LinkedIn, if you look for Jane Jackson Career Coach, you'll find me. But the handle at Jane Career Coach is the same for uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as well. So just at Jane Career Coach and you'll find me. And oh, I'd love you to follow me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because... <laughs> I just love pretty pictures and also I love the stories feature because you know you yeah. it enables people to get to know the real you as well. Sure, I'm a career coach, but I'm also a mum. you know, and, and you know, I love playing golf and I love dance and I love cats and I used to be a choreographer too, throw that in, forgot to tell you. <laughs> but, but there's there's so much there and it's nice to get to know the real people. And let me mm. tell you, I just started a new account. I don't know how to use it yet, but TikTok, I know, is just <laughs> so popular with everybody. And so um, I've started that. That, that. I think that's Jane Jackson, career coach. Um, oh, but I haven't got anything up <laughs> yeah. there yet. I'm going to give it a go. But um, if, if you want, just you know, drop me an email at jane at janejacksoncoach.com or go to my website at janejacksoncoach.com. And there is a membership site if you want me a bit more regularly that's very affordable or oh, super affordable career management support at the careers academy.online so you'll find me all over the place perfect yeah. thank you so much for sharing with our listeners i'm sure you'll probably be getting a lot of uh stressed out engineers yeah. you know <laughs> following you on these platforms so the blonde blueprint would be why yeah Thank you so much for joining us oh, today. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'm really impressed with your career paths as well. So thank you. And great that you've got this wonderful podcast. Thanks. Thank you.
Oh man, I'm so excited that we had Jane on to talk about Mm -hmm. her experiences and kind of share advice. I mean, she's been a career coach for 20 years, so she obviously has a lot of experience and Mm -hmm. a lot of personal stories that are feeding this knowledge. So I'm really happy that she was able to share it with us. And honestly, I'm probably going to be reaching out to her. I need that motivational. I I need that pep talk all the time. (laughs) She's great. (laughs) Yes. And not only is she on our podcast, but we are on hers as well. So we'll be sure to drop you guys a link of where you can listen to us on her podcast also. And yeah, yeah. but with that said, this brings um, the end of our third hour of recording podcast. So I think we might wrap it up because your girl needs some water. <laughs> Parched. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of talking, a lot of laughter, a lot of smiles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hags, time to let it go <laughs> and move on. So thanks again for listening. Thanks for all our TVV supporters. Uh, make sure you go check us out on all our different platforms. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We have an email. It's the Blonde Blueprint Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on almost all social media platforms at mm-hmm. Blonde Blueprint. And then check out our website. Things are getting better. Things are upgrading and evolving. Uh, so if you haven't seen the latest update, go check it out. That's blondeblueprint.com. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And don't forget to leave a review. Let us know what you think. Well, let us know what you think of Jane and that interview. And let us know if you have any follow-up questions or want topics or have topics for us to tackle. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.